All right, welcome back to the Gospel for Life. I am one of your darling co-hosts today. My name is Josh. Well, only he can say that. <laughs> our, our readers did not know that all of us now just rolled our eyes. <laughs> readers? Our listeners, sorry. I was reading before I was so rudely interrupted by darling. That's right. Well, I am Josh Bells, one of your pastors, or one of the pastors from the World Church. Now I'm totally off. Yeah. Uh, uh, Pastor Jonathan Van Hook across the table with Dayspring Reformed Church, uh, Pastor Russ Herman from Cloverdale Reformed Church, and then guest host today, Pastor Tim Hazelwaker from Middleton First Baptist. And, and this is what is called good radio. And this is why all of us have another day job. Day job. And we're not making radio an idol. For a living. Yeah. Well, uh, sp- what a great segue. That's just great radio. Because <laughs> we are talking about the gospel and idolatry. Um, what is an idol? This is what the ground that we've covered already. An idol is anything that you build your life on less than God. It's when you substitute the creation for the creator. Um, the problems with idolatry is it obviously displaces God. It takes the preeminence away from Christ. It shapes you into the thing you're worshiping. It destroys you, your family, your church, your nation. It blocks the grace of Christ. Um, idolatry is not just an old world problem. It is a new world problem. Idolatry, any sin that is committed is essentially idolatry. So that's where kind of we've been the last few shows. Um, off the air, you read a great list. Um, He's from, pointing by to By the Tim. way, from I'm so glad you ha- you're good natured because you I know, have a good heart. You know, Kevin DeYoung is a Presbyterian, right? I do. Okay, just pretty much everybody that I read, sure. most of the people that Are I read, yeah, if I read somebody who doesn't baptize their baby, it's an exception. <laughs> All right, so kind of makes me feel insecure sometimes. So I'm he, like, yeah. <laughs> so he has a list of. Well, why don't you introduce it? So Kevin DeYoung wrote a book called The Ten Commandments, not to be mistaken with the original Ten Commandments. That's right. That's right. From you know millennia ago, uh, it is. I guess you could say it's a commentary on Written the Ten by Commandments. The finger of God, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and his first chapter is well, not his first chapter, but in his chapter on the first commandment. He closes with uh, diagnostic questions about, you know, we can ask ourselves about whether or not we have idols. So there's four of them. Number one, whom do you praise? You may compliment your children, your spouse, and your friends, but who receives your highest praise? Mm. Number two, whom do you count on or trust? Sure, God works through means such as doctors, insurance companies, prescription medicine, but when you're really in need... Who do you know will always come through? Mm. Number three, whom do you call on? Uh, whom do you call for invocation? Where do you look for answers? Where do you turn for purpose and joy? Is it food, work, TV, your phone, or the God of the universe? Number four, whom do you thank? Where do your good days come from? Who made the trees and the stars and that cooing little baby? Good stuff, man. Now, are those study questions at the end? Are, is that like for like a group discussion? Like, no, because not every chapter has them. Okay, but, um, but it'd be a good book for anybody to pick up. Kevin Young on the Ten Commandments. Really good because I'm going to be in Deuteronomy five, which is a rehearsal of the Ten Commandments, and so I've been doing a little bit of reading ahead. Awesome. So, let, can we just plug a couple books? Absolutely. Um, we've mentioned Tim Keller's Counterfeit Gods. Um, Beal has a book entitled "We Become What We Worship." Mm-hmm. I found that to be a helpful book. 
Um, even Joe Thorne's book, Note to Self, we made mention of that before, has a wonderful little chapter on idolatry um, in that book, I believe. Are you looking to me for yes, another Josh endorsement? Josh just picked yeah. up some other books. He's to, looking to you for answers. Yeah. Uh, James K. A. Smith wrote a book called You Are What You Love. Um, very helpful in in basically unpacking how all of us have liturgical lives or lives built on habit, and those habits often um, uncover our idols. Uh, and then um, Herbert Schlossberg. Now, this guy's probably as old as you, John. <laughs> Or maybe he's I, I older. Know. He was just a pup when I was born. <laughs> but this guy wrote this book probably before I was born. Idols for Destruction, uh, the Conflict of Christian Faith in American Culture, basically deals with uh, not, uh, more national and corporate idols as mm-hmm. opposed to just individual ones. I, I've read the intro. It's super good. I also read a book called Sipping Salt Water by Steve. I think his last name maybe is Hoppy or Hop. Um and the subtitle is How to Find Lasting Satisfaction in a World of Thirst. And I found that to also be a helpful book, um, just dealing with um, identifying the idols of our heart, but also just helping the, the reader to realize that you cannot find satisfaction in idols. You can only find satisfaction in, in God himself. Mm. I think another one um, that's not quite – it's not – just about idolatry, but idolatry is really under the foundation of it. And it's by Paul Tripp, and it's called War of Words, and it's about conflict and about fighting. And he shows that when I fight you, it's because I have an idol that I'm clinging to so tightly that if you threaten it, yeah. Then I'm going to lash out at you. Yeah. Well, a lot of good, a lot of good counseling actually comes around to this. You know, uh, I think Ed Welch, you know, uh, wrote a book when, when. Um, what is it when people are big and God is small? Mm-hmm. You Good know one. the idea. The idea that we that we elevate um, our satisfactions, or we have to appeal to people rather than God Himself uh, for that identity. Yep. A Puritan, William William Greenhill, um, Grinnell is a other, different book. Other Puritan, uh, other Puritan wrote a book called "Stop Loving the World," which we will have available. Many of these books will have available Ooh, at the what? Reformation Boise Conference, October twenty first, twenty second. Quick plug for that yes and you don't want to reformation voice.com yep okay um so we've covered a lot of ground um we've asked a lot of these uh questions of examination how do i know if i have idols so let's move to like (laughs) deliverance how do i how do i break the cycle of idolatry in my life or where do i find help when i find myself worshiping an idol being controlled by something enslaved by something so what are some practical steps that we could well, yesterday, um, Russ was bringing out, uh, you had 10 questions that help identify idols. And, I, you know, first of all, you have to identify them. You know, if, you know, there, you know, there are people, you can go through life not thinking that you've, you're actually worshiping something. Right. You know, but we are. You know, we, you know, when we are not worshiping God, we're worshiping something else. When yeah. we're not making Christ preeminent, something else has that place in our life. Yeah. And so, first of the the first rule of thumb is actually identifying those things. I don't know if this was on your list, um, but you, you mentioned Ed Welch. James 4.1 says, it's, it's, it's kind of a catechism, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Answer, is it not this that your passions are at war within you? So if you think that you don't have idols, just go back to the last fighter argument that you had. At the mm-hmm. core of that fighter argument is some sort of idol that's controlling you from, from within. That, that's one of the central points of Paul Tripp's War of Words. That's one of the main texts that he uses in that book. Yeah. 
The bottom line is, if we don't perceive that we have a problem, we won't look for a solution. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if we live with blinders on, because the next part is after you identify, it's not just enough to say, this is an idol in my heart. You, you have to be convinced that it's an evil yeah. and you have to repent. Yeah. Um, but if you don't identify it first, you, you're not going to move to the second point of saying, I need to consider this an evil and repent of it. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So what would that, I mean, to really get to the nuts and bolts, what would that repentance look like? I mean, can you, can you offer something tangible for our listeners? Okay. I know I have my idols. What does repentance, what does, what does this look like? I've heard repentance illustrated as um, a person came home to his family after work and he had been to work all day and he had gone to the gym. So he had his gym bag and he had his uh, work bag with him and his kid opens the door and runs out to give him a hug when he gets home. And in order for him to truly embrace his son, he has to put off his baggage. Mm. And so in that way, he was overlapping repentance and faith that we have to turn to the Lord. But in order to do that, we have to put off that baggage, which of course we can't do in our own strength. We need him to, to deliver us. Uh, but I found that to be a helpful illustration. Mm. I think with all sin, we can be convinced that it, it might not be the best, but we still cherish it. But there's no deliverance unless we hate it. Yeah, it's kind of like you quoted uh, Augustine the other day, but Augustine had that crazy prayer at one point. You know, he he said, "Lord, make me chaste, but not yet." And he, you know, he identified the idol, but he really loved the idol more than he wanted what God was offering. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we hate the consequences of our sin. Yeah, we hate the consequences of the idolatrous heart of ours but we actually don't hate the sin itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it, that we need to come to the point where we say, no, I see this as the offense it, it truly is to God. Yeah. And I want to cleanse my heart of that, um, that sinful affection or sinful um, elevation of something good. So you're not always gonna remove the things from your life so I talked the other day that I, I could easily stop listening to Nebraska Cornhusker. That's what all addicts say. <laughs> <laughs> I can stop drinking anytime. <laughs> but I, I could I could remove that from my life because it it was completely unnecessary. Yeah. Well, if I make an idol of my family, well the solution <laughs> the solution is not walking away from my family. Right. I mean, so now mm-hmm. you have to deal with the heart issue. You can't just simply lop it off and say, well, I can live without it. Um, so sometimes it's the, I think you referred to them as the invisible idols yeah. that are actually the more difficult to deal with because a physical idol, a lot of times you actually can just say, you know what, I don't really, I don't need to drink. I can just stop. Yeah. I mean, well, you mentioned You mentioned family and I, you know, Probably the thing that comes to mind is, uh, you know, how people get their identity from what their children or spouse or somebody does. And the way you, uh, probably, you know, nowadays people aren't sending out Christmas cards and Christmas letters like they used to. But you always had this list of all the accomplishments that somebody went and did. Joey, Joey is now, uh, you know, uh, got his doctorate. So-and-so is this. So-and, you know, and, and you realize 
their identity was wrapped around the accomplishment of their family. Yeah. Now, you know, that's not a bad, it's not a bad thing. The accomplishments weren't bad things. But, you know, let's just get real. That's not our identity. Yeah. Our identity is, uh, you know, you know, and nobody really, nobody really cared about your kids' successes more than you did. I, th- I think the other side of what you're saying, Russ, too, is that we won't see how ugly and evil our idols are until we see how majestic and beautiful Christ is. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like when I was in high school, I used to, I had this cookie recipe that I used to make, and I thought they were like the best cookies in the entire world. And then over the past few years, I've fallen out of the habit of making them. And there's a girl at our church who is an amazing cook and baker, and she makes the best cookies and pastries you've ever had and then um not too long ago i made these cookies again and they were my cookies were trash (laughs) compared to hers um and and i think that's an illustration of we think that our idols are beautiful and we think that they can help us Mm -hmm. and deliver us but when we turn and see christ in all of his glory the god who became man and laid his life down for his people and rose from the grave and is seated at the right hand of the Father, if we really esteemed him for how amazing and powerful and majestic and beautiful and gracious he is, then we would, with his grace, throw our idols in the garbage. Amen. Amen. Well, we will definitely uh, continue on that theme tomorrow. Uh, You've been listening to The Gospel for Life. Don't forget to register for our upcoming Boise Reformation Conference, O Church Arise. Dr. Joel Beakey, Dr. Derek Thomas. I think this will be the best conference we've ever had. No doubt. (laughs) Go register today at ReformationBoise.com for free. We'll see you next time.